Good morning, my name is Magdiel. A scripture passage comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Before we read the scripture, let's pray together. Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds can be open to receive what you have for us this morning. I pray that as a pastor day preaches this morning that you can use to speak into our lives, our hearts, and then uh, you can bring that joy into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Mark 1, 46 through 55 from the NIV version. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God's my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things to me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughtfuls. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Amen. Thank you for reading the passage. The, the, again, that was Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And... Uh, I've entitled today's sermon, Sing a Song of Joy, and we're in the third week of Advent. This is our Advent series, Waiting Here for You. Advent is a time where the church waits for the coming of the Lord at Christmas, and even though Jesus was historically already born and, and with us, um, we follow the rhythms of the church calendar and anticipate uh, the coming Jesus each year. Um, to celebrate and remember um, the birth of Christ and Emmanuel, God with us. Um, but this passage uh, that was read is essentially Mary's song in the first chapter of Luke, or what's commonly known as the Magnificat in Latin. And the Magnificat means to magnify. And so this is Mary learning that in chapter one, learning that she's about to have a child and uh, visiting her um, cousin Elizabeth, the baby leaps in her wound as Elizabeth greets her and blesses her. Um, Jesus leaps in her womb and then Mary says this, gives praise to God, magnifies the Lord uh, with this song, with this poem. Um, and this is what we're gonna take a look at. Um, today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you um, that you are a good God, that you are a powerful God, that you are a merciful and just God, and that all things are in your hands, and we submit to your sovereignty, and we wait for you to come in strength and power, and in the midst of our circumstances, wherever we're at, we still sing praise, still our souls long to sing praise to you um, and so teach us um, through the example of mary uh, what it means to worship and praise you in jesus name amen 
So Mary's song reminds us that God is powerful, that God is good, that God is merciful, and God is just. And our response to who God is and the truth of who God is, is that we give praise. Worship and praise is our response to the character of God and who God is. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why we read scripture. That's why we gather together like this, because we want to praise and worship. And you may say to me, man, 2020 sucks, right? Let's just burn 2020, you know, down and forget about it because it's been a tough year. No one's going to deny it for most of us, for all of us. It's been difficult in one way or another. But for many, it's been really hard. And uh, one of our uh, church uh, renewsters um, has a 3D printer, Elaine, and she uh, 3D printed a 2020, uh, an ornament that says 2020 and has, is burning with a flame, right? And that pretty much encompasses how many of us feel about 2020. But in spite of circumstances, in spite of 2020 sucking and being bad, in spite of a global pandemic, in spite of people dying, maybe people you know getting sick and dying, in, in spite of losing jobs, being in financial crisis, in spite of the ridiculous political situation we may find ourselves, in spite of being um, stuck at home and not being able to worship together at church since March, we still can say, we can still proclaim, and it is the church's being, our identity, to give praise and worship to who God is all the time. And at Renew, we often say, God is good. And then the people say it all the time, all the time, God is good. And we say this not as a trite thing. There's actually theological depth to this, that God is good all the time. Even when I'm sad, it's true, God is good. Even when I'm angry, it's true, God is good. Even when I'm disappointed, it's true, God is good. Even when I'm fighting with that person, or I'm, I'm upset at my boss, or I've been treated unfairly, or my church community is hurting me, I'm hurt by them, I'm rejected by my friends, I'm lonely, I'm isolated, I'm sick. I don't know what the future is going to hold. It, in spite of all of that, it's still true. God is good. And God is good all the time. Amen? And so the character of God is goodness. And when we say we're waiting here for you, we're waiting for the advent of Jesus Christ. That means the coming of Jesus Christ. We're waiting for the day spring, right? The dawn of, an, of a new era of the promised one, the Messiah, the one who will save us, the, the embodiment of God's presence among us, the promise of Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God is physically, spiritually, literally with us. Emmanuel. That that's what Advent is. That's what 
this season is. We're waiting here for you in the midst of it all. And that that can be true, that God is good, even in our suffering, even in darkness. Amen? Um, you know, one of the most touching and moving times of my life uh, was uh, a time when Janice was pregnant with our first child, our son, Isaiah. And uh, she said, come here, come here. Put your hand on my belly because Isaiah, you know, usually at a certain time at night, he would get really active and kick and move around and really kick. And so as a father, you know, I'm trying to be involved. This is our first child, but Janice is the one who's pregnant. Janice is the one who's carrying this baby. Janice is the one who's doing this and feeling this connection, feeling him move. And I'm like, I know, you know, my genetic code is in there and I, I was involved in some way, but not as involved as Janice is. I put my hand on her belly and felt him kick, Isaiah kick, and felt, you know, her belly move around under my hand. It was the freakiest feeling. And I was so overwhelmed that I got teary-eyed. I, I wasn't crying, there was just, you know, allergies, just a little dust in my eye. But it was so overwhelming because what I was feeling was life, a whole nother life. The simplicity of that life and yet the amazingly incomprehensible mystery of it. Janice and I had participated together in making a life, and yet this life, this making of this life is a miracle because we, don't, we wouldn't be able to do it on our own. God is doing it. It's a miracle of God. We can't shape or form a baby with our own hands, right? And so part of that crying and being overwhelmed is the realization that of how great God is. How amazing are the works of God's hands. You know, I can remember another time in college. I went to Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, and around the campus are some wheat fields. Just, you step off, not even a quarter of a mile off a of campus, and you're walking in wheat fields. And you'd look up at the sky, and it's just immense. And one really dark night, you know, we, my friends and I were walking down the road through the wheat fields. And I stopped and just stared up at the sky, right? And it, it just seemed like it was pressing down on me. And in that moment, I felt so small and so insignificant and so, again, overwhelmed at the vastness of God. And you know, you know, you read in Romans, we know, uh, summarizing, we know of the, the, uh, the creator. We know that the creator is there. We know that there is a God by God's works, by the works of the creator's hands. And I, I know uh, many of you may have had that experience in nature when you've gazed upon a sunset, when you've climbed a mountaintop and looked out over the land that the world and the universe and all of creation is so big and you're so small, but somehow you're a part of it. You realize, you feel 
the presence of God and how magnificent God is. Amen. How magnificent. And you feel this connection and it's humbling. And this humility and this sense of awe is the core of worship is the core of who we are. It's, it's written into our genetic code. It's written into our souls that we are to praise God, that we are to magnify God and, and be in awe of him, right? The great creator. Our passage today is a song of praise by another mother, by a mother who is responding to a blessing spoken by Elizabeth. Uh, you, Mary, you're the most blessed. Blessed are ye among all women, right? Because this is happening to you. Because God has, has considered you and found fit, you've found favor in God's eyes and you are with this child. And I'm with this child. Elizabeth is with child as well. And she blesses Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, we'll, later on, Elizabeth is blessing Mary as, as Mary is visiting her. And the child leaps, right? As soon as she uh, meets with Elizabeth, the child, Jesus Christ, in her womb leaps, right, with joy. Um, Magnificat, as Mary's song is often called in the Latin, comes from the Latin, and Magnificat means to magnify. In Latin and the in Greek it's a uh, megaluno um, and the root of that is megas which means great right so think about megaphone a great phone uh, a megaphone is a device or an instrument that makes a great sound that makes your sound greater and to magnify something is to make something great or to declare something and proclaim something great. So to magnify God is to declare God's greatness. And hence the Magnificat is uh, to magnify in Latin, to worship. And if we look at this Magnificat, the Song of Mary, even uh, more closely, um, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he, for he, God is the subject of Mary's song. God is the first mover, the actor, the initiator. He, God, has been mindful. He will call me blessed. He has done great things for me. His mercy extends. He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud. He has brought down rulers. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel. He is merciful. He has kept his promise. God is the mover, the actor, the initiator, the subject of our worship, of our praise, just as he is the subject of Mary's song, of her praise, God is the subject of her response of joy in the midst of this confusing situation, right? She's a virgin about to be married and at the threat 
of being stoned for committing adultery because she's with child, not by her fiance. She's in danger, right? It's a very confusing situation. It's a very um, hard, overwhelming situation for Mary, no doubt. And yet this angel has visited her and told her about the Savior and Emmanuel and this Messiah that is coming from, like God has put a baby in my womb. Whoa, what is going on? I'm so insignificant, I'm so small, and yet I'm a part of this larger plan, this larger creation story, this, this salvation story. I'm a part of this. So Mary is both overwhelmed, scared, and yet she magnifies. She knows that what's coming is coming is through God's initiative, that God is the actor. And so that's point number one. When we give praise to God in the midst of all situations, we are saying, declaring who God is as the mover, the initiator, the actor, the subject. We praise you, God, because you did this, because you are this, because you have done this. So that's the first thing to take note of. Um, the first part of, uh, in verse uh, 46 and 47, uh, is actually a parallel couplet. So, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So, what you have there is, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So my soul, my spirit, the Lord, God, my Savior. Um, prayer, uh, and what I glean from this, this couplet, this kind of couplet, this parallel couplet, uh, is that prayer is the connection between soul and Savior. As Mary sings out, as Mary cries out, as Mary magnifies the Lord, uh, she is revealing this deep connection that she feels between um, her soul and her spirit and the Lord God, her Savior. And even as I felt more connected with my son Isaiah, just by feeling him move with my hand, how much more did Janice feel connected to Isaiah in that <laughs> he was literally taking shape and growing inside her body. And they were sharing heartbeat. They were sharing breath. And her, the very things that she ate, her nutrients, were being given to Isaiah in her womb. Like it's in her bones, it's in her marrow, right? This connection, this symbiosis with Isaiah in the same way as Mary is praising God, she actually has God of the universe in her womb. And this, this, this baby leaps with joy. Whatever fear she's feeling, whatever insignificance she's feeling, however overwhelmed she feels or sadness, uh, she experiences this leaping of joy and it's gushing out. It's gushing out. And in this way, uh, joy comes from a deep connection with our God with what God is doing inside her. That's why she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit 
rejoices in God my Savior. It's coming from in her bones, in her marrow, and overflowing. So joy and praise and worship is not something that we conjure up, that we force ourselves to do. Right? We don't, we don't go, ah! And neither is worship or praise something we only do when we feel like it. Like, I am going to be honest and authentic. I'm not going to lift my hands or I'm not going to praise because I'm not feeling it. That has more to do, that's humanistic, right? That has more to do with you and your issues than who God is, right? Joy, praise, and joyfulness is actually a gift from God that in spite of what I feel and what I'm experiencing, God gives it to me. It leaps out from in my soul, amen? So it doesn't matter what you're wearing, what you look like, how much money, how well you're doing, right? Or how happy you are, how, how, how much, how you're blessed, how blessed you are because of your money or your material belongings or your success. None of that matters when it comes to magnifying the Lord. We glorify God because we're only highlighting what he already is and has given us. Amen. Amen. A second, uh, uh, another pattern to look at, I'm an English major and a poet, so I, I love looking at the words, um, is, this, is this word generations. I'm in 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So when she brings up, when Mary says this word generations, there's, she's bringing up the sense of connection. A connection between the past, the present, and the future. The family, right? The family of God. The story that's been weaving in and out of the Holy Scriptures, the, the prophet and the law, and now here in Mary's situation, and to us as we have the witness of the Scriptures and are a worshiping body, that we're all connected um, as God's family. And generations um, highlights the importance of story, God's story. Mary is connected to something larger than herself, and she recognizes this. She recognizes that her insignificant, you know, person, woman, at this time in history is connected to this larger story in the scriptures of God's salvation, salvific purposes. Mary is connected to something larger than herself. It is the story of Israel. It is the salvation history that now we too are a part of. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends from those who fear him from generation to generation. Again, in verse 50, and again at the end in 55, or 54 to 55, he has helped his servant Israel. Right? It's, it's extended to a more universal Israel, not just about her, her song, 
It's not just about me, Mary, but now it's servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And so as we're waiting here for God, as we're waiting here for baby Jesus, as we're waiting in this time of anticipation during Advent season, we're waiting on the promises and remembering the promises of God our, through our ancestors. We are grafted in to the salvation story of Israel as followers of God. And that's, that's how we are to praise and give worship. Every worship service, every time we gather together, whether it's in person or in streaming, we're retelling God's salvation story through the songs we sing, through the scriptures that we read, through the liturgy that we respond to, through the teaching of the scriptures. We're reliving the story. We're reacting the sto reenacting the story of God's salvation and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to one another in remembering in community and also proclaiming it to others out there that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Um, another interesting to note about the Magnificat is that it's one of four songs total in, from Luke um, chapter 1 through chapter 2 in the infancy narrative of Luke, the first two chapters, there are four songs. Um, and I'll just list them out for you. You can, uh, I won't go through them. You can look at them yourself in your own time. But here, Mary's song in Luke 1, 46 through 55. We get Zachariah's song in Luke chapter 1, 67 through 48. And then the angel song in Luke 2, verses 13 through 14. And finally, Simeon's song in Luke chapter 2, 29 through 32. As I was saying, Mary recognizes that she is a part of a much greater story. This hangs on the world, word generations. Um, and in the immediate story, there's a deep, intimate connection. Mary's connection with God as she worships God with her entire soul, even her entire body. And there's an intimate connection here between the two women, right? Uh, in Luke chapter one, the connection with Elizabeth. Mary's worship happens in response to her visitation to Elizabeth, right? And Elizabeth, um, her cousin, um, who proclaims a blessing on them. Who knows how well they know each other, right? They're cousins. I don't know, the, the scripture doesn't tell us how, how close they were, how much they knew each other. Um, and perhaps it was Mary's own feelings of embarrassment and shame uh, that longed for some sort of connection with someone who shared at least something with her, being a woman pregnant with greatness. That's her connection with Elizabeth. Who knows, Mary feels shame. She's embarrassed. She's with child out of wedlock. But she offers, Elizabeth offers Mary hospitality. How do we know whether or not welcoming 
a friend, a family member, a neighbor, or even a stranger won't be a part of Jesus' healing love in a person's life. We don't know that. Mary just, or Elizabeth just offers bread and hospitality and a word of blessing, and something happens inside Mary. She's affirmed, she's encouraged, she's uplifted. The baby leaps in her with joy. Uh, we know that our hospitality has great, the potential to have great power as the Spirit is moving through what we do, how we love and care about other people. Amen. Mary, in her life, is surprised by joy. She's surprised by the gift of joy. The pregnant mother, this deep symbiosis with a child, feeling the baby moving about her and leaping with joy, brings the loud sound of a song to her lips like a megaphone, megas, greatness. God is great. He is great. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. She proclaims it. Joy bursts out like a laugh that we can't hold back. <laughs> it just bursts out effervescently. Joy spills forth. Elizabeth confirms the message of the angel to Mary. Just as John the Baptist will point to and confirm the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, our praise and joy worship is joy spilling forth. It is a joy that comes from the long-suffering prayer. It is a joy that comes from dogged trust and faith in the midst of not knowing, in the midst of mystery, in the midst of our struggles that seem to overwhelm us and bring us down. It is a joy that comes from learning into, leaning into a mighty God. Our God is a mighty God and having Him meet us with the face of love and arms embracing us. And even through a neighbor or the least of these, our soul will magnify the Lord. Magnify, magnify. To God be the glory. He alone is worthy of our praise. Jesus is the God of reversals. We see in here, right? The poor are made rich. The evil, the powerful, the proud are scattered. God has the power to bring down rulers from their thrones, but he also lifts up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. God is a God of the poor. God is a God of the humble. God will bring down the proud. God will bring down the powerful. And this theme of women singing songs about reversals, right? About kingdoms falling while the poor are uplifted, have echoes throughout scripture. If you go to a Hannah song, and for Samuel, at the birth of Samuel, Hannah sings a very similar song, and it full of reversals about the proud being lowered and the poor being uplifted. 
right? If you look at Miriam's song in the Exodus, same thing, similar, similar themes of the powerful being brought down and the lowly and the weak being uplifted. God is a God of reversals we see, and this is what we wait for, right? We wait for God his, who is more powerful than any kingdom, any king, any president, any emperor, any dictator, any, any person uh, in charge that. When there's injustice and oppression, God has the power to turn that upside down. God has the power to save us. God has the power to bring justice and mercy and to make things right. Mary's song reminds us that God is powerful, that God is good, that God is merciful, and that God is just. And our response to who God is is to glorify him and praise him as king. And this is how we wait actively for our Lord Jesus Christ, by giving praise in the midst of it all. Still we sing, great is our God, great is our God, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's song reminds us God is powerful, God is good, God is merciful, God is just, and that we are a part of his grand salvation story. He's coming. He's coming. God's story is a story of love and mercy, great intimacy and joy. Church, let's sing praise together. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, and we wait here humbly for you, because we know it only in you is our salvation found. Only you can turn the tables. Only you can bring salvation. Only you can bring healing. Only you can lift up us out of the pits. Only you can bring healing to our land, to our nation, to our world. Only you can bring down corruption and injustice and uplift those who have been in the margins, who cry out for you. Only you hear the cries of our individual hearts uh, when no one is looking, when no one's listening, what we cry out um, to you alone in our prayers. Only you can answer those. So we give you praise and we anticipate the gift of joy and we, we sing out in trust um, that you will come, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.